Yeah, we're in a series in Second Peter, um, and we are uh, going to end the second chapter. There's just three chapters in se- of, of Second Peter, but we just have been talking about um, these false prophets or teachers and what maybe motivates them and, and, and the things they're doing. And uh, we started, though, before that, Peter uh, explained who he was, this disciple, and was with Jesus and knew Jesus and experienced Jesus and saw like the fulfillment of all scripture, of all the Old Testament come together in Jesus and encourages us, pleads with us to know Jesus, like not just know who he is and about him, but to know him, um, to have a relationship with him. And out of that comes this great grace and peace and joy and this life. And it, really what happens is we know him, we love him, and it, we overflow these these things um, in our life like godliness and self-control and, and ultimately loving people well. And he says these things because he wants to emphasize that then he's going to be talking about these false teachers, these teachers uh, who are not speaking truth um, and are actually hurting people around them. And so this is a second part of him explaining even more of what does that look like and what are they, what's really what are they really doing um, and so we look we pick up in second Peter chapter 2 verse 10 uh, and I'm going to just read read this through for us uh, 10 through 22 this is especially true for those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority he had just said in verse 9 uh, that God rescues those uh, who who follow him, and then and those who don't are really leading themselves to destruction, and that one day God will return, um, and they will not be with him. Uh, and so he's he's holding these two things up, and he says, so especially these, especially true for those who follow the corrupt desires of their flesh and despise authority. And now he's going to explain what does that look like. Bold and arrogant, they're not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings, yet even angels. Although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blasphemy in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight their blots and blemishes, reviling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable, they are experts in greed, and a cursed brood. And a cursed brood with an exclamation point. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. 
if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that is passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and is so that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Some wild stuff going on. Animals, calling them animals. Say they're enslaved to the things they think they're free to. Say they're like dogs that return to their vomit. This, this passage uh, uh, is really calling out some, some big things. It also reminds me that I need to take Frank, my dog, for a walk. And I have a friend I want you to meet. Hey, let's, let's do that now. Come on. In this passage, um, it's interesting that Peter calls these false teachers animals. He says they're like animals, pursuing the desires of their flesh, disobeying, despising authority. It reminds me of when I first uh, had Frank in our house. Um, Frank would walk along uh, and, you know, pull on the, the leash and try to run for things like squirrels or eat things like garbage. Um, but I would hold him back on the leash. And I knew that if I had knelt down, hey Frankie, and I, all I had to do was undo this little part of his collar, he would run. And he would eat garbage and chase squirrels and, uh, you know, bark at other dogs showing his strength and that they he is the strongest and mightiest dog in the neighborhood but he didn't because i kept him on a leash i did that because i love him and i don't want him to get sick or attacked by a dog or attack another dog or maybe even die from his pursuit of those things and i love that peter uses this phrase in second peter here to let us know and remind us of what happens when we do those things. In the beginning, in verse 10, he talks about these teachers despised authority and pursued the desires of their flesh. Um, Those two things are really at the core uh, of why their motivation, why they did these things. I think it makes sense. They thought they were the authority. They knew what was right. They knew how to control things. They wanted to be in control of things. They didn't want someone else telling them who to, uh, what to do or who the boss was. They wanted to be the boss. 
and they wanted to pursue what felt right, what feels good, whatever their guts are telling them I should pursue for life, for goodness, for happiness. But Peter's saying, when they did that, this is what it looked like. Like animals who've gone off the leash, pursuing their things. It actually leads to, he says in here, the, the darkest darkness was for them. Destruction was for them. So in fact, life did not come from those things. After a little bit of a walk here, Frank's looking a little wore out. How you doing, bud? He's not really a long walk kind of dog. One of the cool things about Frank is I can actually let him off his leash. See, right? He usually just sits right here by me. Right, bud? That didn't happen when we first hung out. But after months of hanging out together caring for each other. He's learned that I love him and I want to protect him, that I want to give him the best, that him pursuing garbage and uh, barking and fighting other dogs actually doesn't bring that. And so when I do let him off the leash and he has this freedom, he actually sticks with me, stays by my side. It's a, there's a safe place for us by Jesus side. Um, that does bring life. Oh, this is great. My friend's here. I can't wait for you to meet him. Hey, Mike. This is my friend, Mike. I was so excited to introduce you to you. Hey, Mike. Hey, Drew. Um, I'm excited because uh, Mike is someone who uh, I would say is a good friend, and he is someone who loves Jesus, and um, I, you see that overflow in him. And so it's different than what we're looking at in this passage, and I want to hear about in his life how that works, how does he just work hard to be a nice guy or how does that work? So, uh, Mike, maybe share a little bit about yourself so we know a little bit and then we'll get right into that. Yeah. Um, so I live in Columbia Heights here with uh, my wife and we live in a household of nine um, or eight with a ninth on the way. So, uh, yeah, that uh, I don't know. What do I do? Uh, Mike doesn't really know what he does. I suppose I uh, own and operate a carbon negative lawn care and snowmobile business. And then I teach home improvement and building science stuff on YouTube. So that's. That's where I spend most of my time anyway. I love it. I love uh, your videos when they pop up. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's get at this. We're in Second Peter, and we're talking about these uh, these bad, false teachers and these things that they're doing. And uh, on my walk over, I was just sharing this idea that that Peter brings up about the the problem is that they have a their authority is in the wrong place. They despi- actually despise authority, and they follow the desires of their flesh which is counter to Jesus's command to us, which brings life and joy of loving God and loving people. Um, and so I'd love to hear, like, how has that played out? How have you seen that in your own life? Um, the, I mean, is, has it always just come easy for you to be someone who, like, cares? I, I, part of this, when I, when I think of Mike, I think of the guy, like, I have woken up early in the morning because I thought someone was breaking into my garage, and it was actually Mike plowing my driveway for me. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, wow, what? This guy's great. He just he's plowing, and so he thought yeah. he'd stop and quick clear mine off. What what makes you do that? Because that's you're like using your own resources and your own time to care for other people. How do you? I don't know. Yeah, I think um, I think with that anyway, it's a uh, at least for plowing, it's 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 thinking through the like more of like a holistic sense of stewardship. So is what it looks like to follow Jesus in faithfulness, being 
Uh, a lot of times we'll talk about financial resources and how we steward those, but like we're meant to steward everything we've been entrusted with in our life. And that includes like, for me, the physical equipment of a plow and a truck. Um, and so some ways it's like one of the, it's not like a written rule in my company anywhere, but it's kind of like unwritten. It's like one of the things I try to do is it's like do one thing for free for somebody some at some point when I'm out plowing. So before I can come back. So sometimes I'll like finish my snowplow route and I'm like, okay, I'm just like driving around looking for something to do because I'm like, it's, it's kind of just a way to make sure like, and part of it is it's that idea of like first fruits um, of God has given me all of these things, all of these resources so I can go out and I can earn a living plowing snow. But like there still should be some act of like giving him a portion of that for his purposes, his kingdom. But then like thinking through um, like, like it's not just like God owns the, the peace, but he owns the whole and giving a peace is a, is like a signal of that. It's similar to the Sabbath in that is it's like Sabbathine isn't like, Oh God has his one day. It's like, he's, he's actually the master and owner of all days. And by giving him one day, we're acknowledging his uh, dominion over all of our lives. not just like this one little portion. And that's the same with like anything you kind of tithe. So I guess you can think of it like a tithe. Um, but it's, it, yeah, it's, it's thinking through like stewardship of, not just financial resources, but also like physical things. Um, and we're supposed to steward kind of everything we've been given. Yeah, you're ta- you're using language that sounds uh, a lot like you're giving God authority over all things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is a word that we're seeing a lot in here. Um, and I, share a little bit of that. Like, how does, it, how, how does that work for you? How do you get to a place where you think, where you actually believe enough to like have a home with your wife and say, let's share this with people and let's like, let's uh, find, I'm gonna make a point to like give away mm-hmm. things. Like yeah. how, does, how does your love for God, how does that, how do you actually like cultivate that? Um, I guess I, I'm assuming that that has to be something you continually do or that would fade. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me it comes down to, uh, it comes down to the question of lordship, which is a hard thing to wrestle through, right? It's like, we, like we're, we're really not as good of masters as we think we are, right? So it's this idea that you can only serve one master. And so it's like, you really think the best master to serve is you? It's like, no. Like when I asked myself that question, it's just like that there's a there's a, certainly a time in my life and that was before I was a, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, that like I would have answered like, well, of course I know best, but it's like, I don't, right? Like my own desires, my own passions don't lead me to the place that I ultimately want to end up. Um, and so it's like, I've, I've pursued what I want often enough to know that I'm not wise. I'm not as wise as I need to be. I'm not a good, I'm not a good and wise king, but I know someone who is and that's Jesus. So it's like, when it comes down to things like that, it's, it, for me, it's thinking through the lens of lordship. It's like, well, if Jesus is Lord, that means I'm not. Um, and it's, it's probably not that like, like if you just think about yourself or your life, um, like, like you're a really bad boss and a really bad employee. like you don't know how to motivate yourself. You, um, like even just like, whether it's at work or at school or at home, just trying to even like get stuff done. It's like, you have certain things that you um, lord over yourself. You play the tyrant to yourself. You have these unwritten rules and expectations for yourself that you don't share with yourself. You're not like, oh, I was hoping to do this. And then you punish yourself for not. Like that is like, what, like, when it comes to being, like if I think, if I put myself in position of the king, I'm a lot more like Pharaoh uh, a tyrant and a ruler and I'm very harsh and strict with myself and those around me um, and a lot less like Jesus so it's like well 
I'm, I'm probably not the one who should be king. And it's just kind of like, there is a, a large stack of evidence in my life, I think, that points that out. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. years, I think, or just time. It's the, I, as a kid, I remember thinking, the longer I live, the wiser I must be, and I'll figure all this out. And the longer yeah. I live, almost the more I understand the depth of my sin. Yeah. And how much more I need a king who's right and true and good. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, I, I'm not going to figure it. I, in fact, I've probably made this, like, worse. I've messed this up more in thinking I know. Which really is, like, I'm just pursuing what I, it seems to feel right and look right. And yeah, I realize, oh, there is someone who must know how that all works. And I love how you say that. Uh, it gets me excited. I mean, in, in my own life, thinking through. What are, what are some practical, like, uh disciplines or things that you find helpful to like remind you of that because i assume you didn't like wake up one day and you're like you know what jesus is king not me <laughs> what are some things you yeah. continually do i know i know uh, you shared some of those I, I think it'd be helpful to even hear practically what what can people do yeah i think um i think two things is we so so it's helpful to have something negative motivating you but also helpful to have something positive motivating you so i i, I think of it this way like a lot of us we know we know what our sin of choice is that would take us out whether like if, if we decide to give into those thoughts of our minds and the desires of our hearts, it's like slowly, whether we do it like bold and quick or slowly over time, like we ultimately know what our kryptonite is. Like we know how we'll be undone. Um, and the scary thing is it's like, it, and it doesn't take us long. Like you just have to think about that for a few moments and you're like, oh yeah, this is the sin that would take me out um, and destroy everything around me. Um, relationships, people, everything I've built that just havoc and destruction, right? Leave a wake of that. And so, and if we don't know that, that's almost scarier because that means we could actively be pursuing that thing and we've chosen to remain willfully mm. blind to it, um, which is almost a scarier situation to be in because like willfully blind means you could have known, but you chose not to, right? And and it's no wonder because that's not a pleasant place to hang out, right? That's not, that's not a good time. It's not fun to go to those places. Um, and so it, I think of like being a kid in the basement when I was afraid of the dark and sometimes I still am, right? Because scary things hide in the dark. The unknown is in the dark. And you're at the bottom of the steps and you flick off the light switch and it's dark and you feel it. Like you physically feel it on your neck, that like hair stand on the back of your, like that kind of feeling. And it pushes you up the stairs, right? It's like this force behind you that's pushing you. So if you have that dark future that you know you, um, that would be your dark future of choice uh, that would take you out and that's behind you motivating you um, to, to flee and run, that's helpful. But a lot of times we, I, I think as Christians, we, we think about that when we think about sin, but we always don't think about the positive thing drawing us forward, which would be focusing on like, the question of like freedom in Christ is like, we are free to ask the question, like how good could things get? Like we usually mm -hmm. can think of like how bad things can get. And we know what would be, you know, to go to hell in a handbasket, it's like, what would be our handbasket of choice? We, we know what that would be, but to think about like, like how good could you actually make things? Um, it's like, we don't, we don't really know how to answer that question because there's some questions you can only answer it. Like there's some games that you only get to play if you're all in. Um, it's kind of like you can't um, like, and, and, and like life is that game. Sanctification is that game. Like you don't know how good life around you could actually get, how good you could actually make it unless you apply yourself fully to that. Mm -hmm. um, there's no like thought experiment around that. You actually have to like live that out with your life. And so I think it's helpful to both have like Egypt behind you, looking back at slavery that you want to avoid and then having the, the call forward into the unknown, into the desert, that's like, well, how good can things get out here? And I think at the end of this passage where it talks about like this idea of a dog returning to its vomit, it's like, well, sometimes it's like, it's kind of that cliche of like, well, it, the, the devil I know is better than the one I don't, right? It's like, mm -hmm. we're, 
we'd rather stay with the things we're more comfortable with. Uh, like the Israelites out in the desert, they're like, we'd rather go back to Egypt because like, I mean, sure there was slavery and toil, but like at least yes. we know it, um, mm -hmm. right? And this this new thing that like we're called forth into, um, it, that that's a lot harder to pursue because we don't know what's there. And so that idea of like going, entering into the unknown and saying, how good could we possibly make things um, now that we have freedom in Christ? Like, like we are free to pursue that. And for me, that's like the thing that draws me forward. That's the thing I get excited about. It's like, I don't really have anything better to do with my life. Like, what else am I gonna do? Like sit around and like, I, I don't know, there's just, so like, like really practically, this comes out for me a lot in remodeling because as you go through like, and this doesn't just have to be remodeling. It's, it, it's kind of this truth of like, we work on our work, like we shape our work, but our work shapes us back. Um, and in construction, I think I find that a lot because it's like construction tries to rebel against you, right? It's like the result of the fall. It's like, as I'm trying to make this, form this material, shape this material, put it into its place, um, and it's rebelling against me and I'm just like cussing under my breath because I'm so mad at how all of this is playing out. Nothing is going correct. It's just the worst day you've ever had. And then you, you're kind of reminded this reality of the gospel of like, God's kind of like, well, hey, Mike, this is playing out like another story I know. This is where I try to mold you and shape you and form you into the image of my son and you rebel against me and you think you know what's best. And it's like, I just can't get this two by four to do what I need it to do. Um, and it's like, oh yeah, that's that's kind of the story of of our lives, right? As, as God is trying to conform us into the image of his son. So I think there's so many things to just pay attention to in the process of like asking yourself the question of like, how good could you make something and how beautiful can you make something? Because that's not easy. And if you actually like give yourself to that, um, give yourself to like thinking about how much of the kingdom could you possibly bring in the place that God has you, it's like, that's not easy. Um, and so there's, it, it's also not this um, like naive optimism. There's a, but, the, but there's a kind of optimism that's not naive. And I think it's the mm -hmm. optimism that's mixed with suffering. Um, because yeah. you, in trying to bring those things about, you realize just how difficult it is and how powerless you actually are to do it. And so it, it, it forces you, I think, further into dependence on Christ and yeah. um, that process of like, wow, like I am, I am a lot more rebellious than I, than I would normally lead myself to believe. Um, so I think like pr practically that's kind of like the yeah. things I think through is having that thing yeah. behind you that you're trying to avoid and then having that thing in front of you that like now that Christ has freed us, like how good could we actually make things? Like we're not just sitting around waiting for um, our chance to go to heaven. It's like God has called us to bring the kingdom to bear here where we are with everything mm -hmm. that we have. So like, yeah. I, let's get after that. It's I love not like it. there's anything else. Li I mean, life to the fullest. Jesus says, I've come to bring you life, full, like full life. And that's not, he's not saying someday, He's like, right now you follow me yeah. and you're on a journey to continue to see fuller life. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think today I could love God and I could never reach the like end of that. There's no like, that's a well that will never dry up right. of goodness. And you're like, how good, what a question to ask instead of like what, what off, often um, I, I make a joke sometimes when I work with, with high schoolers, a question always is like, how far can I go till it's sin? Mm. And, the, and, and so... <laughs> Over years, I'm like, we're asking the wrong question. The question is, how far can you run towards Jesus, right? Yeah. Because really, you're you're really settling for so, so little. Um, and like in the in the passage in Second Peter, he says these teachers are like um, springs without water, or some translators say wells, empty wells. And you think, yes, like that's my experience over and over pursuing things other than the gospel. And I love Mike how you 
it, you see the gospel in so many things. How many times mm-hmm. I've talked to you and you say like, you're working on something, you're like, doesn't this remind you of, of Jesus? And you're like, what? Oh, it does. Like, what a skill, even that. What if we, this year, decided to work on the skill of seeing the gospel every day in what we do? And all day you'd be re-preaching to yourself the gospel, which would only cause more joy. And yeah. Well, yeah, I'm really encouraged by this. Um, uh, I would love nothing more than uh, sitting here and taking communion with you, with everyone else. So uh, hopefully you have your communion supplies with you. Um, and uh, would you lead us in communion, Mike? I brought yeah. I brought Mike um, a little bag. Of, I bought him a cracker today and, uh, <laughs> and a tiny little glass of juice so um, we could take communion. But Mike, I love, I mean, this... You, uh, we say in our service, we like to kind of build up to the communion because that's really what it's about. And uh, I think you've done that. So would you lead us in communion? Yeah. Thanks, man. So um, this is the body of Christ uh, broken for us that we might have eternal life as we look to and trust in him and um, pursue bringing about his kingdom by asking, how good could we possibly make it? How much of Jesus could we possibly show to the world uh, and to ourselves as we uh, live out our time here on earth? So this is... Christ's body broken for us. Amen. And this is um, his blood shed for us for the for the same reasons um, that we might look to him as our guide and savior and um, enjoy life to the full in him. Amen. It was a lot of juice. I poured a little more. <laughs> Amen. Um, we're going to take a moment to pray. Um, I'll start, or maybe you, you want to start, Mike? And uh, we're going to pray for our church and um, for all of you. And um, as we end our service here together, um, and uh, I encourage you to send, uh, if you have really specific prayer requests, you want people praying for you, we'd love to do that um, at Hope. So send in um, your prayer request to me at, at drew at hopecc.com. Um, or even if right now, if you want to post in the comments, um, some prayer requests, I know there's people who go back and use those comments to pray every week. Um, but let's do that. Let's pray together. Um, as we, Mike, thanks a ton for meeting. This was really encouraging. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad all of you got to meet my friend, Mike. Hopefully you've met him in person or someday will get to meet him in person. And I want to encourage you too, as we wrap up here with prayer, um, next Sunday is our hymn sing. If you are interested in just being together in, in my backyard singing, I would love to have you there. Mike, why don't you take it away here? Lord, we uh, we thank you for all that you've given us, uh, for the freedom and uh, just all the privileges that you've given us in your son, Jesus. And we um, pray, Lord, that you would make us people who ask, uh, what is that freedom for? In growing up in a society and a culture that says, um, it puts forth a view of freedom, that freedom is for ourselves. Um, help us to believe that it's given to us for others, Lord, um, for the sake of serving others, loving others. Uh, displaying your goodness uh, and your mercy to others. So uh, we thank you for all that you've given to us. We pray that you would make us good, faithful, and wise stewards of all of those things to which you've entrusted to our care. Um, and Lord, we, uh, we love you so much, Jesus. And we just ask for your help in loving you more in your name. Lord, we pray uh, as we do every week, these words from Ephesians 3. Um, and we pray them uh, knowing that these are true uh, you're going to do things in us and through us that we could never do. In fact, it says uh, greater than we could imagine. 
Um, and I really, we really are asking that now as we pray this, that you could do those things in us, wherever we are right now, uh, that we would truly find freedom in you and, and your love in us. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hope you have a fantastic uh, uh, weekend and Labor Day weekend. Thanks again, Mike. This was really sweet. It was fun. We'll see you again soon.